Hafid, everybody, and a welcome to our special Ahead of the Spread podcast. It's been a whirlwind of, of events over the past 24 hours, as Guam now has several persons under investigation for COVID-19, two from Wednesday, and then uh, just two new cases that we confirmed with the American Medical Clinic. Uh, it was an elderly couple that recently traveled to Japan, and you can actually watch that interview uh, streaming now on our social media pages. Now we should stress though that there are absolutely no confirmed cases of cor the coronavirus on Guam. The World Health Organization uh, early this morning while many of us were asleep uh, upgraded its assessment of the corona outbreak to a pandemic uh, and to help sort all of this out um, and to talk about pandemic response planning is Sean Gumatautau. He is the former head of the Joint Information Center under the Camacho Moylan and Camacho Cruz administrations. That's from 2000 three uh, to 2011. And you actually, Sean, you actually helped write the pandemic response plan for Guam, right? That's right. You know, back in uh, 2010, Sabrina, the uh, Guam, as well as the rest of the uh, U.S. states and territories were asked um, by um, Health and Human Services to actually put together their pandemic plans as part of the national pandemic um, plan. They have a, there is a national pandemic plan that sits under the national response framework. So all of us were responsible to doing that. It was a, a process that took uh, basically weeks and months uh, before it was finally adopted. I think it was somewhere around mid uh, 2010. Um, obviously at the time uh, we were in a full response mode to the H1N1 outbreak or pandemic uh, that was uh, pretty much taking over the entire globe in terms of its um, you know cases and reports so it was a response that we had to do. And um, my understanding was somewhere back in 2016, um, after the plan was adopted, it was put into the Guam Comprehensive Emergency Response Plan or Management Plan. And then in, it was updated back in 2016. So it's a standalone annex as part, as part of our response plan uh, for, for Guam and for all that we do. It's just a, it's a response annex. Mm -hmm. is, is, is this something that we we can apply today? Because I know there was uh, the the briefing last week uh, that the governor held at, I think, at one of the hotels, um, announcing that they were going to be reviewing and, and possibly revising the pandemic response plan. Yeah, you mean they can, and uh, that's an important uh, distinction. Now they were in a conference for, I think it was two or three days, um, and plans just don't happen overnight. It, it, all the input that they would have taken from the doctors and the professionals that were in that room, uh, we hope could uh, lead to a modernization <laughs> of that 2016 plan. And it's not too far off. I heard so many reports that there was no plan updated since 2010, but the 2016 plan was updated. So it just it gives them a chance to update, um, especially this important response to coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, it, well it, obviously it hasn't been updated yet. So we're currently operating under the current one that we have. And so based on um, the current pandemic response plan, what should we be doing right now? Well, you know, and I think once there was the pandemic that was um, issued by the World Health Organization, obviously the Centers for Disease Control is also driving much of this from a federal standpoint. The, the territory will in turn have to respond. It, it, as soon as it's done, the, the actual pandemic response plan is actually should be put in place. Um, or, um, we haven't heard much yet from, from Adeloup and um, we're, I think the whole community is waiting for them to uh, respond accordingly. Uh, it would be in line with the plan. Um, I, I know it was done just a couple of hours ago, but 
I think to coordinate such a, a big effort, uh, obviously public health would be in the lead. Um, it just takes a little bit of coordination. So we'll have to wait and see um, where uh, Governor Leon Guerrero is and her administration is in response to the, the, the push at the designation of the pandemic by the World Health Organization. And, and what exactly, if you can just tell us what is in this pandemic response plan, the one that you, you helped well, wrap? Yeah, well, I mean, the one that was even updated in 2016, it, it gives the authorities of who uh, we're running the plan. Obviously, the public health would be the lead with the chief uh, public health officer uh, taking the helm. It gives all the the um, kind of the authorities to uh, to bring folks over to support that effort. Mm -hmm. It gives um, guidance relative to um, our ports of entry and how the response would be done uh, from there. Also an important thing, Brie, is our first responders, not so much our guys like our firefighters and police officers, but those in clinics and at the hospital and a GRMC and the private clinics, those are the people we're talking about, That making sure that they have the resources that they need to be able to respond if anyone happens to present with any of the symptoms of the coronavirus, or in this case, uh, the, the exact virus that's uh, spelled out by the World Health Organization in their pandemic call. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, you, you've had, uh, as you mentioned earlier, experience as a, the head of the JIC in responding to um, H1N1, right? What should be, if you were in charge right now, how would you be handling the situation if you were the head of the JIC? Well, I think, uh, you know, and I have a, you know, a lot of respect for, um, for the, the governor's office relative to how they are doing their communications. But I will tell you this, I think the biggest thing is at least daily briefings kind of on what is the, what is the effort going on at public health in terms of um, their input with the CDC. I can tell you right now, Sabrina, that I'm fairly certain that uh, public health is in close contact almost on a daily uh, with the WHO and CDC. So just kind of the input on that, obviously with the president making his announcement uh, a bit earlier today on some of the travel bans mm -hmm. and some of the other um, items to mitigate the economy, it's important that um, that public health and the office of the governor get the information out to the people uh, in a pretty timely manner. I, I would hope they would do so uh, right before, obviously the KOM newscasts uh, or in uh, the publishing of the papers, but they should be doing that pretty regularly until this um, issue or effort, it kind of goes uh, or taps down and uh, we, we kind of get some semblance of, of normalcy. Mm -hmm. yeah, and based on your experience, uh, there was a, um, a conference or a seminar, or whatever you want to call it, by the Guam Medical Association last week. And during that uh, conference, uh, the governor, she gave her address and speech to the physicians and medical community. And one of the things that she mentioned was that if a if she were to declare uh, an emergency, I believe, she would be in charge um, and take over all of the, the medical facilities on Guam. Is that is that what would happen from your understanding and um, your experience? Uh, from my understanding, yes and no. Um, in terms of, from a response point of view, it allows her to, to gain more ac access to more resources to include the Guam National Guard. Uh, remember, they have the, um, the CST teams that are over there at the National Guard. They can use them to be able to help, uh, obviously the lead agency, which would be public health. Uh, they'll be able to avail themselves of uh, maybe um, facilities. Uh, obviously we've been hearing talk about the the, um, the SNU up in Barragata Heights as a possible place for, uh, for a quarantine. 
that they can use those things. I mean, they have a lot of different facilities that they could use to do that, depending on how many people might, um, you know, might need that kind of service. Um, but they, they already have that authority. And so obviously when she says she can do it, yes. But also the public, the chief public health officer, believe it or not, um, under statute has quite a bit of powers um, to be able to, um, it, it almost kind of trumps the governor in terms of, uh, of moving resources, uh, closing facilities, moving people around. Uh, they, um, the chief public health officer has a lot of, uh, a lot of power, especially in a state of emergency. But um, hopefully the two can work together to be able to respond. And it's, it's a response that uh, doesn't negatively impact uh, what we do as a community. And obviously um, we're just trying to just go about our normal lives and hopefully it doesn't get in the way of what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, before we we got into the interview, there are four, four now four uh, PUIs, um, and you're now on the outside, kind of looking in, right? Um, not in the JIC position, and I'm sure you're you're still in communication with several people um, from the previous administration, several people currently. Um, what is your assessment of uh, the response and and the preparedness and and the messaging? Well, um, I guess from a messaging point of view, I think uh, I would have handled it a little bit differently. Obviously, um, we always have to think about um, the, our greater community. And I think we, we should be taking a little bit of a lesson from what we're seeing on the U.S. mainland with the, with the administration because they guide the actual response effort. So it should be in line regardless of political party, because obviously the um, just because you're a certain party, the, this pandemic or the, or the coronavirus is not going to discriminate once you're infected mm -hmm. so everyone needs to be kind of you know american everyone needs to be in line and i think that's one thing that the the current administration could be looking at with what they're doing also i think they um they've been relying heavily on the use of the epidemiologist and they've been on your program and there's nothing wrong with that i think that's important but the results of the epidemiologist are going to be way more important in three six months 12 months from now on the impacts to guam Obviously, uh, we don't have a large amount of uh, folks who do, like we don't have very many pulmonologists or those, those who use, you know, this is a respiratory um, uh, basically virus. So getting those people involved and, and you see them all the time because you and I, we go to, if we go to our regular checkups, we talk to our doctors and they tell us, hey, you can get a flu shot, uh, be mindful of these certain things, but that we, we have to kind of messaging wise, we kind of make it a little bit more uh, to Joe Public so that they understand it and they're not panicking because early on if you re recall back in early February There was people presenting the worried. Well, they, they were presenting at GMH and public health saying oh, I'm, I have the coronavirus hmm. Did you go to China? No, but I'm I might have it So we just didn't do enough early on to be able to communicate to them that hey and, and by the way That's one of the results of this type of uh, communication is you're gonna get a bunch of worried well going into GMH or to clinics saying I might have it, but they never left maybe their village, they never left the island, they never left, they never went into those countries that are affected by by the, the uh, coronavirus at all. I, I did want to switch gears real quickly and, and ask your opinion about um, the uh, Team Guam plan, and that's the economic I think recovery plan that was ruled out said earlier this week uh, by by yes. the administration. Did you get a chance to look at that? And, and do you have a re response to that? Um, absolutely. As a small business, um, I think we are um, doing what we're doing. We're going to continue our work. Obviously, we have you know to continue to be part of this economy. And I don't. I'm not for certain that 
the especially the economic outlines, the pushback of the taxes um, without any kind of rollbacks and like, I'm not really sure if, if it's really going to achieve it because if you have a $30 million loss in total revenues, especially with from our tourism industry, um, by just pushing back, um, not paying taxes for a couple of months or 90 days, doesn't it, it's still going to be there. Um, I think we should be um, trying to present ourselves as a safe destination. Obviously, the tourism industry is our number one industry. The military, have they changed their posture in the last uh, three weeks? They have not. I mean, if you go down to Tumon, you still see people here on either deployments. They're here on exercises. So we know that the two major engines of our economy are still working. So um, in terms of that plan, I, I really think uh, there, there has to be across the board. Uh, we did it in, in our administration uh, back um, many moons ago. We had to cut spending. So if you're going to have to cut, I think we're seeing it in the CNMI, we're seeing it in states all across the country where they're having to reduce uh, their current, I mean, we're already, what, three quarters of the year in, is it one more quarter to go? So we're going to have to begin cutting back. We can't continue to, to, to keep spending on the normal clip, especially with the loss of, uh, of, uh, of tourism revenue that we're seeing across the board. And that's not just tourism, Bree, it's also the airport seeing the loss, the airlines, all of the industries relative to it are all impacted by what's happening. Um, and I think that it, it's a, uh, the plan is a little, there, there's gotta be more in there. I think I think most of the communities may be hoping they'll add some more over the next couple of days and weeks. All right, any final comments, Sean? Well, I, I would tell you, Sabrina, I would hope that the community um, remains vigilant. I think we shouldn't as a community, especially, and I can say it as a, as a private citizen and a, a person who also, is uh, very concerned about this issue is we just got to continue to be use our use our heads use our common sense you know continue to wash our hands continue to, to encourage our families to do the same we can't uh, live in fear over um over this particular um pandemic because believe it or not people in our families both yours and mine we've probably seen them and friends who have passed away from the, the just the regular flu and so if we think of it in in such a term that's so different obviously we're not gonna be living our lives that we could be, and it should be a little bit more normal. And we're hoping that it remains that way. And again, I would encourage uh, those who are listening um, to this are, are gonna do the same. And hey, just be vigilant, uh, vigilant wash your hands, and, uh, and obviously be mindful well, you when you're out there. doing anyway. <laughs> it's so crazy that you know, we're talking about washing hands in, in 2020. It, it's, it's a thing that's a part of what we do. And I know in, in schools, I'm hearing about it through my kids' schools, there's a lot of advisories going out. Yeah. I mean, the basic one is telling everybody just to wash your hands. Yeah. And so we're hoping that um, that they'll just take heed. And again, if if they're sick, stay home. Obviously, it's a good push that they're canceling some of the events, the bigger events here, um, out of an overabundance of caution. And maybe we'll get back to some normalcy in the next three to six months. All right. Thank you so much, Sean. Sean Gumatautau, he was the former head of the Joint Information Center from 2003 to 2011 under the Camacho Moylan and Camacho Cruz administration. And he also helped craft uh, the uh, last pandemic response plan for Guam, which is still in effect uh, back in 2010. Thanks, Sean. Earlier today, I did speak with uh, Dr. Shea. He is the president of the Guam Medical Association. As I mentioned with Sean earlier, uh, the governor did speak before the GMA last week. So I got a chance to talk to him about uh, his reaction uh, to the address and the response thus far from the government of Guam. Yeah. Okay. Just in time for the the conference, right? I want to ask you, what did Let's you go. think about the what did you think about the conference? Um, the governor's address. Uh, I didn't hear it. <laughs> Sorry. Really? No, the one yeah. at the conference at the GMA. 
Oh, the, G the GMA conference address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I thought it was good. We thank the governor for our time. Um, I, I think um, it was in generality. We kind of knew what was what was being said. But I think overall, I think it was good content. But I think towards the end there, I think, you know, short of declaring martial law, I think a better answer would probably be be, be said that, hey, you know, we, we should work together with the community clinics rather than saying we're going to take over all the clinics or your property, et cetera. You know, th those kind of stuff doesn't doesn't really work. And especially with Gulf Guam, you know, if they really want the community to work together, we need to make sure that we ensure that we have a collaboration rather than one-way street. So, so since then, or throughout this whole COVID uh, situation, has yeah. there been this partnership with the government of Guam? I think it's better. I think I'm communicating with public health more. Um, when I spoke with Dr. Ann and uh, CDC, Dr. Hancock this morning, and uh, we seem to be more, uh, there seems to be more cooperation on both sides. And I, I know we have a conference that's coming up, but I know there's talks that, hey, if there's a positive case, then we may go ahead and uh, postpone that conference. But we'll see what happens, you know. The key is to get the word out to education, to making sure that, you know, people in Guam is safe. And, uh, you know, I'm in Hawaii right now. It seems pretty normal here. And there's about two, I think, two positive cases here. It's going to get more as time goes by. But, you know, the message that's been given out, even in the media, is also that the flu is worse and coronavirus is, is, is not as bad. But if it's not as bad, then why do we, we have to ask ourselves, why are we quarantining people if it's not as bad? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we did post that story yesterday about the two uh, PUIs. And then just yeah. today, we confirmed with the American Medical Clinic of an additional two new PUIs. And so I wanted to ask right. you about the comments that you, the comments you made on, on social media last night, um, saying that uh, it's interesting that a new hospital can't isolate a PUI and had to send a patient to GMA that is over 50 years old and not accredited to isolate and treat. And you said something doesn't make sense. What did you mean by that? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense, you know, because, you know, with a, you know, the hospital GMA has been criticized for being old. And even the governor said that it's being old and, you know, things are leaking. But why would you want to send someone there? And if you read, uh, I think a week or two weeks ago, that actually the administrator said that she, uh, she preferred not to have uh, corona cases being isolated over at GMH because of the lack of rooms and also because, you know, just because it's an old facility. I think uh, better planning would be not to move the person. If, the, if you have a person with PUI and check into any of the hospital, for example, if someone goes to Naval Hospital and he's a PUI, would you want to send the uh, person from Naval Hospital to, to GMH? I would think you isolate that person right there and then rather than transporting and exposing people in the ambulance and exposing people in the emergency room and getting more exposure out into the community. Isolate them right away at the, whatever facility you're at, and especially the hospital. You isolate them at the hospital. They're really, really sick. Has there been any communication with the Guam Medical Association uh, as far as, you know, any any of the other members with with the government or public health or Adeloupe in and how they're going to respond to COVID? Well, I think I re we reached out to Adeloup, um and, um, I, I, you know, I think they're busy. But so we reach out to public health. I think public health has been more responsive um, since we approached them and being more proactive. So I think they're, they actually are responding now rather than before where we're sort of isolated. And they're sort of doing their own thing. But we don't want them to do their own thing. We do our own thing. We want to make sure that we collaborate 
we work together because, you know, Guam is small and uh, we want to make sure that we protect a fragile environment and a fragile healthcare system on island. Mm -hmm. And if you could break down um, for us the criteria uh, that that's used to determine uh, when a person can be classified as a PUI. Well, I think right now it's changing for Guam. Now that the United States has given the territories and each of the states their own uh, their own power to create their own criteria. I think public health is coming out today with our own um, Guam's criteria. Before it used to be you have to travel to China or you have to come in contact with someone who actually uh, been confirmed positive. Well, the criticism with that across the country is over the last two, three weeks or two, three weeks ago that the United States only tested less than 500 people. And that's why the death rate has been, the percentage of death rate is so much higher than the flu. It's the denominator. The denominator has to change because if we don't change the denominator, the death rate keeps going up and uh, it becomes more serious when you look at the data. In order to get good data, you have to test. And that's the criticism is that we're not testing enough. And I think they got that message. So hopefully our criteria that's been formulated now um, allows the provider at the clinics to actually refer and get tested. Mm -hmm. So, so public health is coming up with this new criteria today. I think so. Yeah, when I talked to them this morning, I think they're coming out with Guam's own criteria as to actually consider a person who is PUI. Uh, each individual country has their own criteria as well. Um, so we have to kind of watch uh, as, as things go. And things are moving rather quickly now because the United States uh, are starting to test. And you're going to see more positive tests coming out. Mm -hmm. And and now that we're able to do testing on Guam, you're, that's what you're thinking, that we're going to see uh, more cases. Or we don't have a confirmed case right now. But Well, you have to, you, I mean, you have to test enough. You have to test enough because, you know, you have uh, people doing testing, but you have to test enough cases to get the positive. If you really think about it, um, we're kind of behind the ball game because so many flights have been coming in and out from Korea, Japan, Philippines. Um, in China by way of Tokyo. So, you know, if it's in a community, it's out there. But remember, majority of the people who get coronavirus don't get very sick. Um, so those are the people that uh, we want to make sure that, hey, don't come to the doctor's clinic if you're not too sick. And if you are really, really sick, you know, call your doctor first and get 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 the clearance before you go into the clinic and start contaminating um, everyone in the clinic. So I think uh, the word that we want to get out there is that make sure you protect your doctors and your nurses as well, because we want to make sure that, you know, we want to protect our healthcare providers. Because if we quarantine one of our healthcare providers, that's thousands of patients that they, they won't be able to see. Mm -hmm. Our healthcare providers from your are they prepared? Do they have the um, necessary I, I don't, I don't think No, I don't think we are, because if you ask them, how do you uh, quarantine somebody or how do you assess somebody? Uh, who has the virus and you know ppe suits are good but we don't have those i mean there's shortage of them and that was the question that was addressed to um the governor at the conference i think dr akimoto or dr yeah dr clinic actually that mm -hmm. asked that hey you know we lack of ppes and protective equipment for our clinics can you help us provide those um, equipment and protective equipment but the answer that we got was was something different the answer that we got was you know if declare an emergency that uh you know, she can take over uh, what, what, whatever items she wants. Maybe that's the way to get the, the items. I don't know if she could actually take over the Naval Hospital. I haven't heard that part. But it would be interesting to see if the governor can actually take over the Naval Hospital, which is good because we can actually use that hospital. <laughs> All right, Dr. Shea. Uh, what would you, how would you rate the uh, government's uh, preparation and, and response to date? 
Um, rate them like from one to ten. Sure, one uh, one being terrible and ten being outstanding. Maybe five. I would say five, and it's simply because mm-hmm. I think uh, we kind of behind the ball game as far as. Um, you know, checking and screening, etc. I think uh, we should have done it earlier. But then again, you know, there's a lot of pressure from the tourism industry that we have to look at too. I know that you, you were mentioning the is putting a lot of pressure, and um, and I can understand where they're coming from. I can understand because the bottom line for Guam is tourism. But then again, I've always said that you know, in order to protect tourism, we have to protect our healthcare system. If we have a health, good, solid healthcare system, the tourism is going to be strong. And you have a lot of local people on Guam that's there, and they're your permanent tourists. And that's always emphasized that. Mm-hmm. And you, you were breaking up uh, for a portion of your response. If you could just go yeah. back through that. You, you rated them a five because? Well, I rated a five because I think we're behind the ballgame. I, uh, I think we should have done the screening much earlier, and I think we should have done more testing. You don't need the kids to really do the test. I think you can draw blood and send a sample to Atlanta and CDC. Or we should have put more pressure on CDC to actually provide us with more of the uh, expedited equipment that we need to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. But you say we could do the testing, but wouldn't that be based on the criteria? That's and, it, exactly. And know. I think we should we should have pushed CDC to to be more lenient on the criteria. The denominator of tra- you have to travel through um, China or Wuhan, China, or come in contact with somebody with a confirmed case. If you don't test, how do you know you come in contact with com- someone who has confirmed case? You can't. So that's the, the denominator that didn't change was about two months. And I think that's the delay. And because of that delay, I think that uh, it's already out of China. So people from China, even though you don't have direct flights to, to Guam, you can actually go through Tokyo. And, you, you know, I know recently they decreased the amount of flights, but, you know, what's done is already done. So if it's on Guam, you know, I think we just have to deal with it the best we can. And, and real quickly, uh, the Guam Medical Association, they're hosting a conference this weekend. Can you tell yeah, us about we're hosting that? a conference. Yeah, international conference this weekend. And we're actually going to have live telecast from different countries. But the talk this morning was the, the doctors are sort of afraid. And Dr. Berg himself actually said that he was afraid that, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't gather because if, if we get sick, then everybody gets sick. So. And, you know, based on Dr. Berg and his recommendations, and maybe we should postpone the meeting. And I'm, I'm taking that into consideration. And I think if definitely if we have a positive case within the next 24 hours, 48 hours, I think we probably will. But I think uh, we all need to be just very careful as we go out there. But, you know, we can seclude ourselves. I mean, if that's the case, then don't go out to any restaurant. Don't. We're not talking about socialize. We're talking about educational events here. Um, mm-hmm. Are the schools going to close? Because... You have cafeterias, you have school that's full of kids. Are they going to close up? But I think we're talking about what Dr. Berg was saying is because of the doctors is being out there and we're being exposed. And because we have a lack of doctors on Guam, they would definitely have to protect ourselves. All right. Well, we thank you so much, Dr. Shea, uh, for taking time to, to speak with us. Okay. And this is pretty cool. First time I'm doing this. <laughs> well, we can do more if you like. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow <laughs> night. Okay. Take All right, care. I'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Aloha. Bye. Aloha. And that is it for our very first Stay Ahead of the Spread podcast. We want to remind everybody just to please stay calm, practice good hygiene, and there are no confirmed cases of 
the coronavirus on Guam from all of us at KUAM. Thanks for watching.